Oh, we running. Okay. Here we go. We are yeah. running. Re recording. Great. I didn't get Ingram out. Smith, Bud Elliott. Yeah, we're no show. Show has started and show must go on. Ingram Smith, Bud Elliott back again for another episode of the Knollcast. As always, we'll thank our friends, Louisiana Hot Sauce and Tarpon Sellers. Bud, I was at dinner recently, very recently, possibly even, and, uh, Kirby Smart was in the building, and uh, I tried to send him a bottle of Tarpon Cellars, but unfortunately, he had left, and I uh, was kind of worried. I didn't want to get the waiter fired, because it's like a restaurant that you work 10 or 15 years for. You work at a place like that. Like, you don't, you know, yep. but it would have been funny. So, yeah, there's my Tarpon Cellars ad read. <laughs> Tarpon Cellars. There we go. Tarpon Cellars for when you randomly run into Kirby Smart at a restaurant. Uh it's- it's a great premium product and uh what well, there's a lot to talk about today man what what do you want to start with um let's start with with keon coleman just because that's uh fun and lets you live uh big exciting dreams as to what you know this year could be and what your offense could ultimately look like um i think it would be remiss for us not to talk about what transpired at amelia island um we're we're bringing on a little bit of help to help us behind the scenes, do some things, edit some shows, you know, we're the, the, the null cast and it's a, we kind of want this to be somewhat of a raw product. IE we pressed record for 16 seconds a second ago and didn't realize we were recording. Um, but we're still, we like to hire talented young people who can help us and a uh, long winded way of saying, bud, that the first thing I'm going to have this guy do is go back and cut up the podcast that we did either last August or last uh, September, because I think we were way out in front of it. And what we were saying has kind of been the the playbook that the ACC, some of these ACC schools have decided that you probably can't get out of the, the GOR. Maybe you can internally dissolve the GOR. And when you started to hear stories two or three days ago that you had those seven schools, um, I was very skeptical because of schools that were on the list and of schools that weren't. Uh, And particularly as I understand some of the linchpins in this process were listed on that as like, Hey, open and, you know, perhaps has a place to go or something like that. However you want to read into the magnificent seven or whatever, whoever decided to phrase that (laughs) in such a manner. Um, but it's going to be a, a fascinating thing to watch play out. And um, to be honest with you, I was, I was a little confused from Florida State's messaging from where they went into these meetings and then what they exited them with. And I don't know if uh, if something transpired. And honestly, I enjoy talking about this subject matter because I I have no inside knowledge. I don't talk, you know, no one's going to talk to you about, about this issue. So I don't have to worry about, you know, getting slapped on the wrist for saying something that I shouldn't or whatever else. Um, it's a, it's an interesting situation and I don't think it is, uh, going to perhaps wrap up in as expedient a manner as maybe somewhere under the impression of, uh, 48 hours ago or something like that. So, so you're, you're not believing that the magnificent seven are all ready to jump. I think that might be like magnificent or magnificent. Yeah. Magnificent seven. They looked into <laughs> what it might take. Not that they're ready to all jump. Uh, that's. I think that's where some of the confusion, and I understand people getting excited, and they, they tend to kind of believe what they want to believe as opposed to maybe what is actually, you know, happening. Um, Certainly, yes. I Yeah, I, I like you, I was also a little bit surprised about that. Um, occasionally, my uh, my three-year-old will, I'll ask him, hey, did you brush your teeth? And he's like, oh, I really brushed my teeth. I'm like, mm-hmm, okay. <laughs> Sometimes the sell is the tell. And and you mentioned the messaging from Mike Alford. I, when I saw Mike Alford say that, I was kind of like, all right. So Mike Alford's like my three-year-old saying he brushed his teeth. We're very thrilled to be in the ACC. It's very the, I, I thought the the adverb there is is the giveaway <laughs> that it's BS, right? If he just said that we're thrilled, like, like very thrilled is sort of like, to me, that was totally a t- tongue-in-cheek statement. Look, uh, two things. One, it's probably smart to say what he said because FSU is not at a risk, at least in my opinion, based on what I've heard, to jump to another league this year or really like any time in the next 12 months. 
right? I, I think it's going to take longer than that. I'm not going to be wrong. I've been wrong before. It's also good for Mike Alford as a employee and as a career thing for Alford to get some concessions out of this meeting to show that he is capable of making progress, however mm -hmm. small, right? Yeah. If it comes out, like there's some self-preservation here. Like what's good for FSU and what's good for Mike Alford are often the same thing. Yeah. Okay. Self-preservation, I completely agree with you, and, and I'll give you back the floor real quickly. Uh, but also I would say that to an extent, your self-preservation aligns slightly with uh look, if you get a if you get an adjusted revenue split, and even if it's only based off play results, which I is not advantageous to Florida State at all. Um, if you're gonna get an adjusted revenue split, it needs to be based off media brand and eyeballs that you bring, et cetera. Um, that's still starting a conversation that as of even four or five months ago would have been, you would have been roundly basically pushed out of the room uh, to do. So uh, complete agreement with you that it's a, it's a great resume builder. And even if the end product is it what you would want from a Florida state perspective, it's if you're going to be here, then you might as well start to walk down this road and, and see how aggressive you can get with it. It also allows you to set the table to complain more loudly if you take care of business on the field if you are winning the league if you are making the college football playoff and you're still coming up 30 or 40 million short it allows you to go back to the table and say hey you five or six or seven schools in this league that are below replacement level as opposed to drawing eyeballs like boston college we could swap you with uconn tomorrow Nothing would happen to the ratings, right? We we could we could swap you with, with Holy Cross tomorrow, and really not much would happen, right? Like people aren't tuning in to, to it, it's whoever Boston College is playing is generally like who right. people are, are tuning in to watch. The same with Wake Forest. Unfortunately for Wake, because they with the program they have, they obviously do a really good job of it. Hell, they beat FSU in Tallahassee last year. This is sort of that first step of hey. We will go with performance. If now if she doesn't cash this in, then they don't have a whole lot of leg to stand on as far as that, right? They're like, come on, man. Like, we offered you guys this. You can't even win this league. Like, shut up. And I'm not really sure the schools in the league will ever jump on this, but you know, there is some some potential that they get some kind of split of the TV revenue as opposed to just the, you know, the playoff and, and, and bowl game stuff uh, that they are, I guess, likely to pass. It's a good first step, I guess, but it, it's, you know, yep. pretty, pretty small step. It's an interesting first step. Uh, I will tell you that I don't know that you're going to hear a whole lot of this out of Florida State. Florida State is fairly buckled up right now. I, I will tell you again, anecdotally, most of what I've heard of this has come from people at Clemson or North Carolina or other places. Um, I'll give you an example, and this is where kind of my involvement in the TB, TBE can hurt the podcast like like I had a friend at Georgia Tech tell me about the Ireland game like six weeks ago or six weeks before it was announced, and I wasn't sure about it and didn't want to say anything because I didn't want it to look like I was uh, burning burning Florida State. But I I will tell you that Michael Alford, I, there's not a whole lot of leaks there. So I only bring that up to like, you got a guy on the message board telling you, you know, this is what's going to happen with conference expansion or conference realignment or something like that. I would be exceptionally, exceptionally hesitant about it. But uh you know, Florida State has has made their position abundantly clear. Uh, you don't have the conversation that you have at a board of trustees meeting two months ago or whatever that is with your chairman of the board, your general counsel, and, and your athletic director uh, and the president in the room all at the same time. That is as a that is an, as a formal acknowledgement to the other people out there that you're being exceptionally serious about this. So, you know, Florida State said what they've said. I would be interested in time to try to get better perspective as to why and what transpired as to the pivoting of messaging from where you were the first 24 hours in Amelia Island to where you were in your, you know, exiting eight, talking about that it's a good fit, you want to stay here, etc. Um I I think at times you can jump to conclusions that like, hey, something transpired, something changed, whatever. I don't know that that necessarily happened, but it, it does look like uh, there was a fairly drastic pivot there. So that will be interesting uh, if there's 
more reasoning about that. If some of those schools that were listed in the Magnificent Seven didn't privately, uh, you know, communicate that like we're not on this list, don't don't talk to national people like that. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I'm really, honestly, just reaching here. But uh, in my opinion, certainly something transpired that shifted the the kind of the tone and tenor of the conversation uh, throughout the the process of the ACC meetings. Yeah, I, I, it makes you wonder if if you got in that meeting and Phillips called called the bluff on on some of those seven, and they're like, actually, like we we didn't put this leak out. Yeah, right? like a, one of these schools cl- clearly put the leak out to yeah. Murphy. But so, so I will uh, say this: my understanding, like if you see Virginia on that list, the ACC's dead. Okay, so like if, if yes. Virginia has somewhere they can go, we've talked about this three or four episodes ago. It frees up the potential. Like Virginia is not okay. So I'm in Georgia. Uh, if something's good for Georgia, meaning the University of Georgia, then it goes through the political process pretty much immediately. OK, this is a one state. This isn't just a one state football program. This is a one state political pull when it comes to what's best for the university. Uh, Virginia, despite University of Virginia being one of the premier public institutions of the country uh, and Virginia Tech not being it. Virginia, from a political influence perspective, is fairly well divided between Virginia Tech and Virginia as far as the state house and stuff like that. Um, so my point there is that if, if say, Virginia Tech were to have a landing place in the Big Ten or the Big 12 or something like that, and UVA were to feel free to move, that I think a lot of this, again, if you see Virginia moving or looking to move, then the ACC's days are very, very limited. Also, if you see a list where Louisville is not included, that list isn't accurate. Louisville would leave this conference tomorrow, in my opinion. Uh, so that didn't make any sense to me either. Oh, that's uh, it's just a little bit of random commentary from the from the Magnificent Seven and, and my immediate takeaway from that. And Louisville might honestly, I don't have any personal knowledge of this, but I'm just connecting some dots. Louisville's a school that I could see if this whole thing disbanded, if they did not have a Big Ten or SEC spot, jumping to the Big 12. Be a great place for them. West Virginia. There are, yeah, right. Virginia Tech, West, West Virginia really, yeah. They, they want a dance partner. Yeah, exactly. So I, I totally agree with you on that. I, like Pitt, I don't really know where they sit. They're, they're a pretty good research university, obviously, and they are in the Northeast. Um, I, I do think that the most valuable property to a Big Ten or SEC is probably North Carolina because the, the way TV stuff matters, it, it's not really markets, but there are different fees that you get paid if you unlock a new state. Mm-hmm. So, and then North Carolina obviously brings you football and, and basketball. Um, I don't think they're way out ahead of like that this year Clemson, but I, I think that they may be the one that's, that's most coveted by both leagues. Mm, I would, I would argue and say that's only the case for the sec. I would say that, that if in the big Ten's eyes, Florida state is the most valuable property that's left on the board outside of maybe Notre Dame, yet. Uh, because yeah. it, it opens up an entire new state, entire new region. Um, and it gives you a better opportunity to recruit the most fertile recruiting ground in the in the country. So, um, I guess fair. But yeah, no, I mean the the idea, even ten or twelve years ago, was that you know the Big Ten might take Virginia and and North Carolina, and and the SEC would potentially have an interest in North Carolina State and Virginia Tech. I don't believe that to be the case. I'm, I'm citing thoughts of a decade ago. I don't know that there's an athletic brand that has seen a more like deleterious decade on, on its impact and shine than what's transpired for Virginia tech over the last 10 years. So the basketball program has done zero and the football program that was kind of on the prefaces in the late nineties of becoming a national power has, has not found its footing at all. Um, so I don't think anything like that would ever be in play again, but I'm more referencing your point to where the sec was looking We'll open up North Carolina and Virginia, et cetera. Um, so it will be it will be fascinating when that day comes. I just uh, you know, if you're a big fan of conference realignment or seeing Florida State land in a, a new conference, then maybe you're maybe you did a little bit of EKG in over the last 72 hours or so. You know, you you're probably pretty excited uh come come Tuesday evening, Wednesday morning, and perhaps a little deflated uh come come Wednesday afternoon. So should we talk about inflating an offense, bud? <laughs> the the inflation okay. of an offense. Uh, I, 
I just missed the last uh, like ninety seconds that you said. Yeah, you, you missed anything. Apparently, don't. dodge. You, you, okay. you missed nothing. Uh, you the, the, well. The listeners will confirm you. You missed zero. Uh, so we'll pivot over to Keon Coleman. Uh, talk about the addition. What he means potentially to this offense is uh, always. We'll thank our friends Chad and Shannon of the legendary team eight four four FSU loan eight four four FSU loan. Uh, Shannon continues to crank out a uh, number of loans. There's nobody that's better in the business. I have a, uh, personal issue here, uh, that I'm going to talk to Shannon about, uh, either today or tomorrow. Um, they are donating $250 for each loan close to the battles in. So they, uh, are as passionate as Florida state athletic supporters as evidenced by their support of this podcast and the Jeff Cameron show and, all the other things they do, but uh, they are going to give or have already uh, begun the process of giving for each loan closed uh, to support Florida State's NIL efforts. So, again, the legendary team work with uh, two guys that are as passionate about Florida State athletics and as talented in their field uh, as there are out there. You've used them twice. Great dudes. By the way, uh, I know they're going to listen this morning. Or, well, when, when we publish this. Uh, we're going to be at the uh, Tampa Seminole Club block party. And they're like, hey, do your sponsors want to send along some merch to promote it? I'm sure they will. So, uh, yes, this is uh, th th this is our announcement that we're going to be doing that. And uh, send us the merch and we'll bring it over. Ingram's going to fly, so you could send it to my house. And you have my address because I've done two loans to you guys. Because I really trust y'all. All right. Uh, are you frozen or... or you're not for us. Okay, cool. Just want to make sure my internet wasn't wasn't bugging here. I'm actually down uh, in the guest room at uh, my parents' house today. So uh, let's talk Keon Coleman. And I am very happy. I have been saying for a while, and I think for some time I was on an island that I would like to see a receiver. Let's go get a receiver. I don't know, man. Like, does the rest of this receiver room really, really scare you? Uh, Johnny Wilson need to have somebody who can make the opposition pay if you double Johnny, which I think based on his play last year, you probably should double Johnny. This is a little bit above my expectation as to what they were going to go get <laughs> at the receiver position, man. This is a, this is a significant addition. Somebody who I would expect to start immediately opposite of Johnny Wilson. Uh, I, I think it allows you to uh, continue to bring along Kentron uh, Portier at, at the right pace for him. You know, and if he forces his way on the field still, awesome. Uh, and if he doesn't, like, you got to think that guy's a beast for you in 24 and 25. You know, at, let, let's let's take a look here at Keon Coleman. This is a player that FSU did recruit out of high school. They didn't get, like, super far with him, but still a, like a, a guy that was pretty a pretty legitimate player uh, coming out of high school. He was a, a 90 for us on 24-7 sports and uh, part of that COVID class. So. You know, that's mm -hmm. kind of a weird, yeah. weird way you end up at Michigan State. He uh, was on the Michigan State basketball team as a freshman, which is he actually like a legitimately good basketball player? He's probably not a Michigan State level like starter, but he was the fact uh, that you have athleticism. Eighth yeah. or ninth in their rotation. I mean, which is, at Michigan State is a Michigan State. Hell yeah, of that's a freaking state. Great basketball yeah. program. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So there, there's some really fun stuff here. I, I think that this is absolutely a guy uh, that is going to help you quite a bit. It makes this offense uh, particularly a pain in the ass to defend. Uh, excuse my language there. So I've got some stuff pulled up here from our friends at StatsBomb, uh, who we saw recently. Let's go ahead and, and, and take take a look at some things here that I really like. So if you look at his uh, his stat radar here, I don't know if you can, if you can see what I'm mousing over. Uh, this is the, the the light green is him. And the dark green is the uh, the conference average among starters, right? So target share, I mean, 24%. That, that's by far the most targeted guy on Michigan State's team. Depth of target is you know, way above the norm. All, you know, 13 yards depth of target is, uh, is, is a player that they consistently throw the football down the field to. I think target separation here uh, is very encouraging. I mean, he's three and a half yards, 3.8 of target separation, which means he's creating a lot of separation for himself. Th that's an important thing I wanted to point out because if you just watch a lot of these highlights that were shared on Twitter, most of them were of him uh, having contested catches, mm -hmm. right? But he's actually uh, having quite a bit 
of target separation. Uh, if you look at the passing chart here, so purple is incomplete pass, uh, dark green is touchdown pass, and just light green is completed pass. Red is interception. So you can see that Peyton Thorne, uh, who was not a good player last year for Michigan State at the quarterback position, missed this guy a ton. Look at all mm -hmm. look at all these these incomplete deep balls uh, that were thrown to him, right? But there are also a pretty good number of passes in the inter intermediate areas. This is you know twenty to thirty, uh, where he did catch the ball. Uh, the comfortable running routes to both sides of the field. If you look at the snap distribution, he's a player who lined up on both sides, so he's not just a, a one side guy. So I feel like from a, a scheme fit, that's fine. Uh, they they did send him in motion a pretty good bit. Here's the pass placement chart. Right. Uh, all these ones that are empty uh, are obviously incompletes. It's a lot of I mean, he's six, four with a big old wingspan, but that's uh, that's, that's asking a lot. Yeah, that's a lot of misses. Um, so, yeah. Anyway, uh, air yards relative to receiving yards, the 515 of a 745 came through the air. So it's interesting to me, like I like some of the highlights that he has with yards after the catch. I don't know why this was maybe because Michigan state's offense sucked and, and because people gave him a lot of attention, uh, but he was not a, not a real big yards after the catch guy. And that's an area where I wonder if FSU can unlock some stuff here, man, because he is going to see more single coverage here uh, than he saw at Michigan state. Uh, I, I think probably a lot more single coverage. So I'm, I'm interested, like this guy, guy who should be tough to tackle on screens. If you want to throw him some right in the open field, mm -hmm. I think he has a little more ability uh, then the numbers show, and that's probably just it's hard to get yards after the catch if you're if you're double teamed, uh, oftentimes. So I'll be be interested to, to watch that. He had quite a few chunk plays, seventeen, not a whole lot of explosive plays. And the difference there is sort of like that you know, fifteen to twenty five or or twenty five plus. That's an area where I think he could unlock. If, if you look at it again, back to his his chart, there are a decent number of, but he's a guy that's running a lot of routes to the outside. I think he could be a guy that can run the post for FSU too. I mean, you, you see a couple here. Um, very excited to watch that. He has uh, 39 medium targets, 25 catches there. Uh, 21 deep targets, nine catches there. Only 25 short targets. So not a guy they were flipping the ball out to on screens a whole lot. Here though, when we saw the stuff on on Twitter, right, like like the highlights people put out, mm -hmm. uh, he, he had eight contested targets and caught seven of them. That's where you see that basketball stuff. That's yep. going up for that rebound and coming down with it. That, that Body is a position, really high anticipation. rate. Yeah. 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 I mean, you're catching seven of eight contested targets. That's that's exceptional. Um, I mean, that's pick your best contested like a like a T. Higgins type thing, right? To, to use like a Clemson example who's now on, on the Bengals. A really good contested target dude. Uh and FSU is not a team that is afraid to throw one on ones. Some mm -hmm. teams are like, you gotta you gotta be schemed open. The Knowles are a team that will target you and throw one-on-one. See also Johnny Wilson, right? Uh, so I, I would expect that Jordan uh, will be, be cool with that. Drops, uh, I mean, if we're being fair here, seven drops is a decent bit, but he also had 85 targets, and it you, you kind of know what you're going to get, right? Mm -hmm. But this is encouraging. Like, this tells me he has good hands, this seven of eight. Drops tells me occasionally, like, the concentration can be cleaned up some. Yeah. You, you know, I, don't, I don't think those numbers really kind of square – with having poor hands, personally. Um, I don't have any actual data on his blocking on this. I will I will say this. Uh, teams tried to press him a lot. So he, he faced two, he pressed, uh, pressed coverage on uh, 238 of his snaps. Uh, if you notice this, though, he was beating press coverage, and the amount of press coverage faced uh, dropped off quite a bit. Mm -hmm. I mean, he was seeing 30s here. Akron obviously is probably not going to press anybody, but uh, like Washington pressed him a lot. He caught some balls on them. Maryland actually, uh, the corner he faced is Deontay Banks, who went in the what first or second round of the draft. Uh, the corner he drew against Illinois was Devin Witherspoon, who went right. fifth overall in the yeah. draft, and they did not press him very much. And he he actually achieved some decent separation in that game and Michigan State at times struggle to get in the football. So I, man, I think this is a, a really excellent get for the Knowles. Like the, the, the physicals match the production and uh, it just, 
I was like, they need to find somebody who can kind of approximate what Pokey Wilson did, but I, I think they have legitimately upgraded on yeah. Pokey Wilson. And yeah, this is this makes them very dangerous. <clears throat> well, Bud, you were you were in my mind, anyways, long thought of as uh, the best co-host a, a podcast a person could ever hope to have. But this is brilliant, man. This is incredible information and really interesting to be able to look at it like this. Um, uh, because we are so historically a podcast. Uh, we still skew significant listenership heavier towards podcast. If you are listening to this, it's worth going. Probably to Probably a terrible audio experience. It, uh, it yeah. is, but it's. I but, mean, but reads off numbers for. 10 this minutes. is inc- incredible information, and and visually, it's very interesting to look at as well. I don't want to get too lost in this, but like, if we just look at that passing chart down there, um, yes. My immediate thought is like, what are what are the routes that Jordan throws best? In your opinion, you know, I, I, you know where I'm going with this. I mean, like you uh, look, let's, let's not get it. Let's not get too fanboyish here or excited with ourselves, but holy crap, this guy has a chance to make this often. Like, look, let's not, if you're listening to anybody and they try to tell you that Florida State's wide receivers are better than Ohio State or something like that, I'd, I'd be very hesitant to enter into that uh, equation, but my God, this offense has the ability to be whatever it wants to be. I mean, it's it's between the the t- options that you have at tight end, uh, you know what what you're doing at running back, and uh, you know for those that aren't familiar, Rodney Hill is going to be a be a pretty damn good back in time as well. Uh, it's incredible. This offense has the chance to to be remarkable, and you know are are you not a little bit more comfortable just sending somebody back there to just fair catch a punt or something like that if you've got an offense like this you know i mean just 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 catch the damn ball uh catch it you get 5 yards great uh to an extent this somewhat eases my my concern about punt returner as well it's just uh you got it man this this is you know obviously injuries can derail anything uh but going into the season uh, you got to go back a long time to find an offense like this uh, that Florida State has, and it's it's come together relatively quickly. You think about this. Uh, I I think it takes y- your ability to play. If you want to play more twelve personnel with two tight ends and two receivers, I think that's that's a, a matchup difficulty for a lot of teams out there. Right? I I would expect you to roll that out a decent bit against LSU. Um. Oh, speaking of the LSU game, if you're Mike Norvell, you're like. Brian Kelly, you want to just play this game tomorrow? Like, like, tomorrow, don't, don't, yes. Don't, don't, let, don't let all these new LSU defensive backs that, that are going to get there in, in in the fall from the portal. Like, you, you guys don't don't need yeah. time to, to implement those dudes. Like, let's let's just line up and play this thing tomorrow. And and you know, if somebody gets dinged up, cool. Like, we'll just they, they got the all off season to heal up. Like, let's just <laughs> let's let's just roll them all out there and play. Like, Mike's got to be just chomping at the bit, ready to go. Uh, yeah, man. I, I think the the ability that he gives you to play different formations. Uh, I think this probably helps you in the red zone quite a bit. What are your real questions <clears throat> remaining for this offense? Like, as far as regular season schedule, I guess we are, we are still waiting to see what will become of the slot position, right? Is, is maybe a fair one to ask, but mm-hmm. I'm not really worried about that. You don't you don't need to be running a lot of four wide stuff, given what you have at the tight end position. Um, I guess whether Casey Roddick can can still uh, can he, if he can learn to snap the ball to yeah. to maybe give you more size there at center, but that's a that's a question of upgrade potential, right? It's not really like a huge worry. I think Marie Smith has shown that he's a capable center. I mean, yeah, I mean, can you run the ball in 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 downs that are you know predictable? And, and look, that's a challenge for almost any offense out there. So. Uh, but that that's the only it's the only question left about this offense in my opinion you know can you yeah. when, it's, when it's third and one and a half uh can you can you pick up two running behind you know uh, between the guard and tackle um damn man that's this yeah. is uh this is quite the addition absolutely it it helps you a, a whole lot like they're they're really going for it obviously I saw you have to send out quite a few uh, battles and membership cards, dude. Yes, man. We've been, uh, we've Those been are fancy. growing. That's great. We've got, uh, we thought about sending one of these to Kirby last night too, but uh, decided not to, but they're, they're, they're very handsome metal, high quality product. Got them from a, a great place in Tallahassee. If anybody has the interest in doing something similar for their uh, company or business, I'm more than happy to 
point you in their direction. But uh, no, we've we've uh, we've been sending out a thank you note or two. Absolutely. Maybe that company that you got it from needs some congruity. <laughs> I need some congruity. Yeah. I will say, and I've I've been mentioning this, referencing this, but the uh, the battles in is officially becoming a congruity um, congruity partner as of June first. So something that I'm very much looking forward to, and it's not the first time that I've pointed a business in Matt Lewis's way. I can promise you, and will continue to do so. Uh, so congruity, hr.com, uh, congruity uh, is. Look, they've been brilliant for our small, humble business here. Uh, they've been there, I think, either at 12 uh, or 13, maybe now, of Florida State businesses. And uh, there's there's no better null to work with than, uh, than Matt Lewis, I can assure you. So uh, thank you to he and his team for the support that they give the Nullcast. Oh, also, uh, I have some more fun stats here if we want to talk more Keon Coleman fun stats, which uh, I'll, I'll read these off just for the listeners at home. Uh this is fun. Catch rate over expected, 5%. League average, 1%. So that, I think, plays very well if you're 5x the league average on your catch rate over expected. That's generally pretty good. Uh, catch rate overall, 64%, uh, 63% for the league. So basically the same, uh, which I think that's kind of where we talk about, right? Like this guy's making difficult catches. If they can get him to make it a little more easier, like there's the routine catch a little more, then that becomes an extremely dangerous weapon. Uh, receiving success rate, so that's basically how often was the play successful uh, when you caught the ball. 56%, that's that's quite strong. League average of 50%. What else? Um, receiving explosive rate. I, when I see a guy whose chunk rate is higher than league average, but his explosive rate is lower than league average, and I know he's a pretty damn good athlete, like I definitely don't think that he's slow or or lacks a top, a top gear. Uh, to me, that that is related to to quarterback play i think i'm not trying to excuse him i just we just saw the passing chart right that's a whole lot of misses outside the numbers from peyton thor a a whole lot and i i'm not saying jordan is like you know tom brady but i I think he's gonna put the ball on him uh more often than peyton thorn did receiver separation at at the time of target uh 3.8 that's that's a strong number um so a lot of stuff here man to really really like and uh, especially when the guy was that targeted. So it's not like he was just a forgotten piece who would occasionally get open. Like teams knew what he was doing. And uh, I'm, you could tell I'm excited, but I, th- I think they needed the receiver and they went out and got one. That is, that is really, really big. Since the last time we talked, uh, Jalen key, the safety uh, went to Alabama. Um, I'm like willing to be old takes exposed on this. I'm not freaking out about safety, man. I'm really not. I think that there are players on this football team who this staff either did consider or easily could have considered moving to safety, but chose not to, right, because the guys wanted to compete at corner. I do think that if you go into this season and you have a good year and people are excited and you're in a college football playoff chase and one of your safeties goes down, and you go to somebody, right? Whether it's a Renardo or Jarian or somebody like, hey man, we know this is not the position you really want to play, but we're in a national title race. Would you mind moving back here and playing some safety? Because we know you've done so in your career. We we know you can play it at a at a capable level. I I don't think those guys say no. At the worst case, it showcases the versatility for them if they happen to be draftable prospects. So for me. It's not ideal to not bring in another safety, obviously, the Juco kid. But I think if the season goes how you want it to go and your safety goes down, I think one of those guys would move. I I don't think they're going to be like, no, man, like I I refuse to move move off off corner uh, and and not help the football team. You're muted, by the way. I think safety is just a position that takes care of itself, whether it's a a player move in season, as you referenced. uh, You know, you still have – time if a if a graduate transfer or something like that comes yeah. up i just i i don't you know uh i'm not like taking away from the player that key is and legitimately hope he has a a great time in, in tuscaloosa and hard to fault anybody for choosing to go you know get coached by nick saban um i don't think we sit here in october or november and say 
uh, you know, Florida State didn't hit their their benchmarks or their wants this year because of you know what what transpired, and they didn't have a high quality enough backup safety. Okay, um, that situation will work itself out. I I tend to agree there. Um, and not as though anyone okay. either chooses between the two, but dog. Keon Coleman was the best player left in the portal by a mile. And Keon Coleman goes and wins you football games. Okay. Like football's changed slightly, but like how did Alabama lose their games for like a six or seven year stretch there, bud? Well, it's because they played against like Alshon Jeffrey, Treadwell. Yeah. Yeah. They played against a wide receiver, just took over the game. And you don't have the ability to do that as a safety. I'm not, not attacking a kid. I'm just saying a game changing wide receiver you go and you get that guy and you can figure out where to kind of fill the, you know, fill the gaps as needed at, at a, at your second or, or third option when it comes to, uh, to safety. So. 100%. Yeah. I, I mean, Coleman fundamentally changes how you have to defend this football team, I think. Right. It, and it's not saying that Kentron. Portier, not... by the way, I actually asked him. Portier. It, it is Portier. Sorry. He's just like okay. Portier. Yeah. Portier. Two words. Portier. Portier. Because right. I get everybody's not... name right all the time, dog. A hundred percent. None of us are none of us are as bad as fish. <laughs> <laughs> if you know, you know. Oh man, that's that's a throwback. Um it's not that Kentron could not have potentially in some simulations of, of the season busted out like that. But the thing is, Coleman has already proven to have done so and is a pretty special athlete. And, I, I, yeah, this it just makes you extremely tough to defend. It, it's got to help your red zone efficiency, too. I don't know if I've already said that, but just stuff popping in my head here. That's a contested catch guy. Yeah, like, You legitimately have to – and the fade is not an efficient play, but if you're going to throw it, you want to throw it to a guy who's, who's a good contested catch guy who can create separation on his own in one-on-one situations. And – both Johnny and Coleman seem to be able to do that well because they have a large catch radius. So this makes you a little bit tougher to defend there. Like you legitimately have to worry about that. I think when you get down in the low red zone, um, I think I mean, Kentron still has a really good chance to be wide receiver number one next year. Um, he, yes. it, it, it'd be interesting to see, you know, what he can take from this year. And look, man, Florida state's going to beat a lot of teams uh, heavily or handily. Uh, a lot of people are going to see a good amount of snaps of the ball. And it's not as though Kentron's – I'm trying to say he's only going to play in garbage time. Dude, Kentron Portier's – look at me. Reach through the computer and slap me in the face, bud. Uh, Kentron Portier uh, is – he's going to be heavily featured, heavily focused, uh, and and still very much has a chance to, uh, you know, to have a, a, a breakout season and position himself to be your your best receiving option in, in 24. If I tell you at 24 that you have a lineup of Kentron Portier, Darren Williamson, Hakeem, Vendravius Jacobs. And the Illinois. For a game. year. Yes, right. Yep. And 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 span. For a, a year that I think reasonably you are probably taking I don't know what the size of the setback, but it, like the, I don't think the 24 roster at this point is quite as good as the 23 roster because you lose the quarterback. And you probably and, lose a couple guys. Transformational first. defensive end. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So I think like if we, we, we like to deal in reality on this show. It's probably a bit of a step back. That's still a, a roster of receivers that makes you fairly confident that you can still contend for the ACC, that you can still be a team that is not falling off and going seven and five, right? That you are still consistently winning. If, if you're down year, if your rebuild year is then that eight and four, nine and three range or you know, 10 and 2, depending on how the schedule shakes out in 24. And we're getting way ahead of ourselves here. That's a great foundational piece for, for Mike, right? They're like, hey, yeah, you know what? We lost a lot of special players. We acknowledge those players are special. We're still recruiting high school really hard. We're still filling our holes via the transfer portal. We're, we're striking that nice balance. You know, like that, that's a that's a great year. I, I think that and we talked about, if you go back to our episode titled uh, Why the Norvell Contract is, is probably a, a pretty good investment for FSU, and we talk about the foundational floor that I think he has because you do have a lot of good coaches who want to coach for the guy, and you very rarely have just a, a total blank show going on mm-hmm. under him, yeah. right? You know, I, I think that's 
that's an encouraging, like they're, they're in a good spot right now, a really good spot. Oh, coach rankings. I was higher on Norvell than the CBS uh, consensus. I don't know how much time I want to spend on this, but on cover three, we talked about it. They have him at um, 19. Is that right? Where did they have? They had him 19. I had him 16. I try to not give credit for the season that is yet to be played. Because then I feel like if you give credit before the season's actually played for like what their win total is, which is, you know, nine and a half, ten in Vegas, then I'm going to give them credit also for it after they hit that mark, assuming they hit it, right? And then mm-hmm. you're giving kind of double credit. But I said on the show, you guys can go watch a clip. It's it's on my Twitter. It's also on the cover for YouTube. It's like, look, if they go out there and they win 10 games again and the high school recruiting ticks up like it looks like it is, obviously commensurate with the level of effort being put in, the level of support being put in, the NIL opportunities, of course, that are available to market yourself in Tallahassee, and and just like the fact that players notice you're winning and sending guys to the league, uh, then I'm going to have him squarely in my top 10 because he did get to a BCS game at Memphis, right? Like I, I think there's a real opportunity there to move up, move up more, but I, no, man, I think they're in really good hands right now. This is, this is going well. Um, I think they should be the conference favorite, by the way. I mean, they are in, in some books. I, to me, Dabo's taking a, like, I get on this staff a little bit because I want to see them recruit high school slightly better. And I think there are much fewer criticisms now because they are doing so much better in it. Mm-hmm. Isn't Dabo taking some gambles not using the portal? Like you're telling me that roster doesn't need any help anywhere. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting philosophical. I'm going to stick to my guns, damn it, uh, type of position from Dabo, which is very Dabo-esque, and you know, Dabo's one of the guys that can uh, full-heartedly sing Frank Sinatra's "I Did It My Way" at some point in his career. Because damn, if he didn't. Uh, but we'll see, man. We'll see. And it certainly so- feels as though Clemson has done incredible things and has taken that program to a level of consistency that I didn't think had within it. Uh, doesn't feel like that level of consistency is going to be as sustainable as it has been for multiple different reasons. It's a lot different when you don't have a generational quarterback and we'll, we'll, we'll see what Kate Klubnick is, but if, if Mike and Dabo are playing golf, right. It's almost like Dabo got up and he pressed. And those, those, all those young corners that like Wake Forest torched last year. And getting Keon Coleman's like Mike hitting it, hitting it, you know, just piping it 350 down the middle. It's like, all right, man. Like, you believe in your guys. You didn't take anybody in the portal. We, we, we got reinforcements coming type thing. So I, I'm very curious to see. Like, I dropped Dabo a little bit in my rankings. I, I had him seventh, which is uh, the second lowest of anybody to recently win a national title. The Jimbo, I had dropped 22nd because I, I I'm just concerned about the quality of coach he's able to attract now. Adazio, Durkin, Petrino, like that's the best you can get with, you know, like unlimited funds. What, what does that say about who wants to come work for you? <laughs> By the way, on a really positive note, I know we talked about this on the show a lot. Uh, Carter Carls, who was covering FSU, he's a Texas A&M grad. He is now running our Texas A&M 247 site, Gigam 247. So, Did you see this? This is, this great, is great, man. This is great. Um, by the way, so Ethan's a pretty damn good kicker too. Like it wouldn't shock me to really? see him kicking for I don't know if it's going to be Florida State, but I think he'll kick in college, uh, assuming that you know he continues to to go well. He's just, he's a it's cool man. Ethan and, and Trey were young dudes during their time, uh, and certainly were embraced uh, by the Florida State fan base. And uh, you know Trey went on to be a, a, a nice little quarterback for himself and played college ball up in Tennessee. And uh, Ethan, the story that we're about to reference is that it sounds like uh, Ethan could, what, within two to four years, potentially be cleared of, of Fanconia anemia, which, dog, when they did that press conference 13, 14 years ago, whatever it was, uh, I don't think anybody in that room thought that that's what the ending of the story would be. So uh, remarkable and incredible. Two to four years said he starts uh, a gene replacement therapy in June. So fantastic there, man. That is that is really, really awesome. Um, other coaches in our league, I, I put Mario at uh, at 19, which was 20 spots higher than the consensus. And my thought on that is basically this. He is what he is. Mm-hmm. Nobody's like, oh, what a great coaching job at Oregon. What what tremendous schemery, right? Like the, that's a guy I love working for. Schemery. No. 
Schemer. Yeah. Okay. That, yeah. yeah. I, I think he pushes his coaches harder in recruiting than any coach in America. Mm-hmm. And he does get great results with that. Like, but it's extremely recruiting based ranking here. Like he wins because he gets better players than you, oftentimes and along the lines of scrimmage. And last year's recruiting class, he did that. Mm-hmm. The guys they signed across the board already, like on, on the D line O line, look like hits. I mean, mm-hmm. I think Bain's gonna play a lot for them this year. Both tackles are, are likely to be like immediate players. Maui Go is almost certainly gonna start. If the recruiting drops off, though, then I have to drop the ranking like a rock because mm-hmm. there's not a whole lot. Like I think the floor that Mike offers you is is higher because I think he has a lot of guys who want to coach for him, you know, um, and because I I almost always trust Mike's teams to score points, generally, you know, within reason. Like if you have no re- two years ago, FSU had like the worst receivers in the conference, so this is considerably better. Remember the Kenny Rillingham? Uh, yes. Press conference we did. I remember that quite well. Yes. The, the Adam, Adam Fuller truth. That was uh, the year of, why don't they just keep repeating the script? Well, it doesn't work like that, guys, unfortunately. Um, but, yeah, that was wild. That was wild. My, how things um, have changed. Uh, indeed. What uh, what else do we have that we, we, we can talk about? Um, they are, oh, they're doing, they announced, uh, we've known about this for a while, but they, they wanted to put it on social media. They uh, they announced the um, the mega camp down there last year. They did it at FIU. This year they're going to partner uh, with FAU, uh, which you know Tom Herman's now at FAU. Pretty loaded team, by the way, mm-hmm. at, at FAU. Um, so that's pretty cool. And they are doing that's a satellite camp, and they're they're still doing the uh, the mega camp and the elite camp in uh, in June in Tallahassee. It's a uh, it's an exciting time, man. You going to be up there for that one? I am. Yeah. Um, so I, I have a pretty busy schedule that time of year. I am going. So I have, yeah, I'll, I'll be I'll be in Boca for the FAU one, and then I have two days off. I have to shoot uh, the summer school series, which I am worn down from that. We we shot thirty in the last ten days, and that's that's a whole lot of podcast episodes to put in the can. But I'm gonna, I'm going to play dad, man. So I'm in June, and July, like like having that many episodes done. Like Danny Canell's got to go do like mini camp OTAs for like so have episodes we can run on cover three. I'm like, take my kids to the museum, you know, yeah. like, we're going to go to the park more, just kind of, you know, more fuller off days where I don't have to like be in there for production meetings and stuff because mm-hmm. we did 75 episodes and got them canned. And uh, so I'm doing that. And then uh, I'll be, be in Tallahassee and then I think I got one day off and then I'm going to elite 11 uh, out in Cali. So I'll get, get to see Luke out yeah. there and see how, see how he competes. You saw Georgia got Riola. I most certainly um, did. Yes, um, I think that's overall a positive for the recruitment of of Chrome and Hoke, right? Like, I don't think Chrome and Hoke's going anywhere anyway, personally. But like, it's never great to have the two time defending national champion sitting out there in state school, elite quarterback yeah. in their own state. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, no, not a not a bad thing. Didn't didn't hurt my feelings at all. Thought it was a pretty cool uh, recruiting edit uh as a in the world of that but uh i will remind you bud when you're not playing dad that you need to go to madison social or charlie park or all the other wonderful options i think we've both just aged out of uh out of the township age bracket at this point but still a great place to go and grab a uh you know quick high noon and a pretzel or something like that as well so uh big thanks to matt thompson and his team uh for everything that they do for florida state athletic uh, supporters in general matt uh, played a large role in helping me find these things. So uh, again, if you're on the podcast, I'm referencing the medal uh, membership card that the battles in uh, is sending out to its members and uh, Matt Thompson, great Seminole and a great supporter of the Noel cast and know that we uh, cannot thank you enough, my man. So got anything else, sure. bud? Uh, got, I, sp- I spent some time reading message boards for like the first time in six years yesterday. Uh, and Oh, that was an experience dog. That was, you <laughs> know, I, 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 I grew up on message boards. I know what I'm getting into, but I'm still like, wow, this is a, this is a crazy subculture here. And impressive. Even went to an old message board. Uh, oh, did you? Was awesome. Yes. Yeah. Just want to see what was up, you know? Speaking of message boards, I will say this. Um, I think 24-7 sports just has an awesome array of talent across the company. And 
one thing that you get with the VIP membership at 24-7 Sports that you don't get at other networks is the ability to read other people's boards. And in some cases, comment. Now, if you act like a total jerk, then you may get banned from commenting on on boards, uh, which is not your home board. But I think it's a pretty cool feature, man. It, it uh, like to, to read all of the other boards. Uh, I also think that, and this is something I really admired when I was at SB Nation. It's like, this is good. Like, cause we're open back at SB. There, there was no like private board type stuff. And that we're open 24 seven. You don't have moderators feel like feeding just complete nonsense to mm. their, typically mm-hmm. to yeah. their readers because they realize like everybody else can see it. Whereas mm-hmm. if you run a completely private board and it's like only Texas fans, right? Yeah. Like obviously, you know, just to give an example, you may just give them complete just yeah. garbage. It's like not at all in, in, in like the realism realm, you know? The old like, night oh, before old signing day update is what yeah. that used to be. So it used to be right. like, hey, we might sign like nine kids tomorrow. Um, yes. Yeah. I'm like, really? Okay. <laughs> like, we're, 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 we're just, just taking. So the, the, oh shoot, they're gonna sign Biggie Marshall, really? Remember that? Mm-hmm. There, there was yeah. There, we used to have a guy on staff who he had to apply a filter to. Basically, like he's like, hey, we're gonna sign all five kids. So can you rank them in in the the confidence that you think you're gonna mm-hmm. sign? I'm just gonna chop off the bottom three because <laughs> there's no way. Oh, fantastic, man. Fantastic. Oh, Exciting man. time to be a, a Florida State fan. Exciting time to uh, to go about the interwebs and see what the full college football landscape looks like. And, uh, damn if that isn't, uh, isn't a change from where it was three or four years ago. So, uh, oh, one last thing. Uh, where do you think this receiver room can rank? Like, Let's say it's not going to be Ohio State. Yeah. Is it crazy if they stay healthy? They could they could be like two or three. I think you're a top four wide receiver unit in the country. I, I really do, yeah. uh, and I think you're not all that far at running back either. Um, I you, yeah, I think you may have the best skill in the country. To be honest with you, now you know wide receiver. Nobody's got what Ohio State's got at wide receiver. So let's just not you know let's acknowledge that they have two two projected top ten picks. Yes, in some of these I mean, they, they do. That's so weird. It's it's different, um, but. When you, when you look at quarterback, wide receiver, um, and then when you look at what's been brought in at tight end, um, if you want to include that as a skill position, and I would label Jaheim Bell as a skill player. Morgan um, would if, like to include that as a skill position. Even if you don't traditionally include ends there, um, you may have the best skill in the country. And I, I think yeah. you may – I think you do, honestly. So um, enjoy it. This potential will be a whole hell of a lot of fun this year. Absolutely. All right, man. Uh, I will shoot this over to the Google Drive folder and we'll get this thing up. Yeah, man. Give my best to your uh, your folks down there. Enjoy your time. And uh, we'll talk in a, a week or so. All right. See you, buddy. All right, bro. Good talk to you.